1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to
2: continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com. dot com.
3: Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping
4: the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. Happy New Year. Thinking about New Year's resolutions? Maybe it's to buy or sell a home. We have the latest Homebuyer Insights report that might just surprise you. Maybe you're thinking about helping a family member who wants to stay in their current home. I'll have the experts to give you some excellent advice on how you might be able to make that happen. How about the big exercise new year's resolution to do it more maybe it would be better if you involved some irish step dancing we'll give you all the details on that how about volunteering on your new year's resolution list the naacp wilkes branch would love to have you join them and they have a new president we'll meet him Perhaps it's to take a trip with the family. We have the perfect destination, the Pennsylvania Farm Show 2023. Pennsylvania Dairyman's Executive Director Dave Smith and Gail Ferranto, committee member of the Mushroom Farmers of Pennsylvania, are here, and they have your invitation. I can't wait. It's the Farm Show. It's 2023. Gail's here. Dave's here. What? Where are we going to start? Mushrooms? Dairy? Where, where do you want to go?
5: We love them both. Start with mushrooms.
4: All right. He'll defer to the lady. Hi, Gail. Hi, Paula. So excited. So excited. Now, last year, I actually got to meet you face to face. It was exciting. The mushrooms were great. What do you have for us this year?
0: Well, mushrooms are going to show off their roots this year at the 2023 Farm Show. We've got a brand new blended burger. It's our new steakhouse blended burger. It's 60% beef, 40% chopped mushroom with sauteed mushrooms on the side and an Alabama barbecue sauce on a Martin's potato roll. So we're really excited to launch that off this year in a new way. And, um, you know, we've got our whole breaded white mushrooms that are, are our stars every year. And our shredded portobello nachos, which are gluten-free, vegetarian, and uh, topped with uh, some sour cream and cheddar cheese. And they're really good snacks, and they're delicious.
4: I'm starving. And you're telling me about all I I just saw all the cars heading down 81. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be in line. Tell us about mushrooms in Pennsylvania, Gail, for people who don't know.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, mushrooms are a big business in Pennsylvania. Sixty-three percent of the mushrooms grown in the United States are grown right here in Pennsylvania. So we're pretty proud of that. Um, they're the number one cash crop in Pennsylvania. Their economic impact is about $1.3 billion. It supports about 9,400 jobs in the state and uh, $313 million in wages. So, um, you know, it occurs in two counties, Chester County and in Berks County. Um, so we're pretty excited to show off those numbers this year once again at the Pennsylvania Farm Show.
4: Oh, well, I'll tell you, we're going to come back and find out about your booth and all kinds of things. But now that I've had my mushroom burger, I'm kind of thirsty and i just might need a <laughs> milkshake. I might need it. And you have, you have something new this year, David.
5: We do. The uh, Dairyman's Association is a nonprofit organization. And actually, um, it, this will be our 70th year at the Pennsylvania Farm Show serving milkshakes. Uh, so we have a birthday coming up, a celebration. In honor of that uh, that birthday that that's coming up uh, in 2023 that we're uh, opening up, we came out with a, an additional flavor milkshake. Uh, traditionally, we've done chocolate and vanilla milkshakes. This year, in, in celebration of our birthday, came out with an orange cream milkshake. And uh, we, we had a couple test runs ahead of the farm show. And people really love it. and I love it. And I think people can get excited about it.
4: Absolutely. Tell us about the Pennsylvania Dairymen's Association while I'm here looking for my milkshake, which you didn't deliver, <laughs> by the way. So
5: it's okay. We'll work on that. Well, the Dairymen's Association, as I mentioned, is a nonprofit. This event at the Pennsylvania Farm Show where we sell milkshakes is our fundraiser for the year. And after, uh, you know, our bills are paid, much of the revenue that that we earn here selling milkshakes go back into the agriculture and dairy industries in Pennsylvania in the form of scholarships and internships and uh, next generation farmer development programs. So we're excited about being able to do that. Uh, We we work closely with uh, the food banks in Pennsylvania and some other programs. so it's a win-win in many aspects. There's so many people will get to taste our milkshakes, great milkshakes. Uh, we earn a little bit of money to, to go back into programs and youth development in Pennsylvania.
4: And I thought it was very nice of everyone to put your Booth next to Gail's booth so that we could just go right back and forth between the two. So, Gail, what other things are you going to have at your booth that uh, you you had so many things last year?
0: Yeah, we do. And we're super excited. And, you know, mushrooms and milkshakes, milkshakes and mushrooms, it's a happy meal. That's what Secretary Redding would always say um, when we launched the blended burger a few years ago. So, Definitely. Just stay right there. It's all good. You know, as I said, our whole breaded white mushroom, which has been our number one seller since we started. Our vegetarian Roro's famous mushroom salad, which is whole white button mushrooms with just a bunch of veggies, celery, carrots, onions, olives, and an Italian vinaigrette. Delicious. Uh, Our cream of mushroom soup. It's always seems to be temperatures are different in January for the farm show. And, you know, hopefully it'll be cold and people will be interested in cream of mushroom soup, which is a great staple for us. And then our portobello jerky, which we had in uh, 2022, and it's delicious and it's very interesting. Uh, we have a couple flavors. We have smokehouse bacon. We have sesame ginger and black and black pepper and salt so they're interesting too and another item that we're bringing out this year is the mushroom crumble um, for sale which is all diced mushrooms it's in an eight ounce container and you can blend it home with it into your meatballs your meat your meatloaf your own blended burgers so yeah we have a lot of great mushroom items to really show off the versatility and how you can use mushrooms in so many different ways.
4: And was it? It was something similar like that that I think you had last year. It was in the package.
0: I think it was the portobello jerky. That's yeah, it. yeah. That it's must inter- have been it. No, it's it's an interesting item. Giorgio launched that a few years ago and has become a very good snack item, um, and it's a better snack item for you. So uh, we'll be selling those at the at the booth. I believe it's five for for twenty dollars, and then two fifty per bag.
4: Oh boy! Well, people better bring along their shopping bags because they're going to want a lot of those. And speaking of all the people that are going to be there, Dave, I understand that you and you were talking about this just a few moments ago about how you're with the food banks and you have the uh, once again the fill a glass with hope, and this year. I mean, you two are celebrities, but you're also bringing in another celebrity, a football player.
5: Well, we are, Paula. Uh, just a really great program. Our dairy farmers in Pennsylvania about six years ago recognized that uh, milk was one of the most requested items at food banks, but not necessarily accessible in the, in the capacity that was needed for food challenged families. And um, through that conversation with our dairy farmers and the uh, charitable food system, a program called Fill a Glass with Hope was developed, and it's a mechanism to raise money so that Feeding Pennsylvania can purchase fresh fluid milk for their food bank clients. We launch it here at the Farm Show in January with an opening ceremony. Uh, we have a, a number of people coming in. One of them is, is Tory Smith, who uh, is a retired football player with the Philadelphia Eagles and also the Ravens, and he's been an advocate for us. Uh, we've had Great uh, corporate sponsorship contributors to, to the program. And in fact, over the last uh, seven years, over 26 million servings of milk have been served to families that had no access to that milk before. So we're really excited about that that launch coming up here in, in uh, at the Farm Show, uh, raising some more money for that program and just a great connection with the food banks to be.
4: Well, it certainly sounds like it is going to be a great time again. And when is the Farm Show, just in case anybody out there listening says, hey, this sounds like I want to be there?
5: Sure. The food court opens on Friday at noon, January 6th through 9 p.m. And then the whole Farm Show complex opens up on Saturday, January 7th through the 14th. So, uh, again, it's just kind of a food court preview on the 6th, and then it goes full bore with the whole uh, opening of the animals and all the exhibits, the 7th through the 14th.
4: And speaking of all of that, I know the two of you are very busy at your booths, and I know the Dairyman's has a, a booth not only there on the main floor, but also there was one upstairs, and I, I, Gail's probably here, there, and everywhere. But when you get the chance, Gail, what do you like to go and see and check out when you're down at the farm show?
0: Well, I love the calving corner uh, that the that the dairyman's exhibit has. I mean, it's a fantastic exhibit where you can see. I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's a great exhibit, Dave. And I mean, that to me is a standout exhibit at the farm show, and it's a must see. As as well as the mushroom booth in the main hall where you can walk through the life cycle of a mushroom. I mean, that's fantastic too. And we have a lot of interactive experiences and our live growing display of all of the different fresh mushrooms that we grow and cultivate here right here in Pennsylvania all the
4: different varieties. I thought Gail was going to talk about the calving corner and then Dave was going to come on and talk about all the mushroom stuff, but it didn't, it almost worked out that way. Dave, what else besides the calving corner and the mushrooms and all, and the, of course the yeah. milkshakes, what do you like to go check out?
5: Well, just to add about the calving corner, it's, uh, we bring in uh, dairy cows that are expecting calves and throughout the farm show uh, at different times as ne- mother nature takes its course, uh, there'll be a birth of a calf at the, at the farm show complex. So just exciting to see that miracle happen to, to your question, Paul, you know, the farm show in Pennsylvania is, is like our our state fair here in Pennsylvania. And it's, it's a reunion in many ways. Um, I get to catch up and visit with some people uh, that I don't necessarily see throughout the year. So part of, part of uh, my mission here is to connect with a lot of people that I haven't seen for quite a while. There's, uh, so many different exhibits here at the Farm Show Complex uh, that a family could come here and spend a whole day just looking at the, the livestock, the, the different uh, breeds and, and all the other uh, commercial and uh, just the, all the exhibits. It's, it's colorful, uh, just a, a great way to spend a, a day with a family.
4: It certainly is. So, Gail, where are you going to be so when the people get there, they can say, I want to see Gail and her mushrooms? Come on down. I'll be at the in the food court at the mushroom
0: booth, and I'll also be at times at the main in the main hall at the mushroom booth there too.
4: Okay, so, so but you can definitely
0: find me in the food court.
4: If there's a mushroom, there's going to be Gail. <laughs> That's right. All right, and now we've the got fun girl. Now, how about the man with the milkshakes?
5: We are also in the expo hall, giant expo hall food court area, which is a large area. They have about a third of this huge hall dedicated just to the production of food by the commodity group here, and pennsylvania so so i'm uh, i'm right there where the milkshakes are we do our deep fries mozzarella cheese cubes right next to us and uh, i'm here about 18 hours a day <laughs>
4: yeah, we'll right. be smiling we'll be smiling <laughs> behind the counters with all the delicious <laughs> food that they're going That's to be great. there we'll catch you at the farm show can't wait.
5: I just encourage uh, anybody that has an interest in, in a great family event to make the trip to Harrisburg to see what's going on with agriculture.
4: I ditto
0: that. Uh, the Farm Show has something for everyone.
4: It's always a pleasure to get together with Pennsylvania Dairymen's Executive Director Dave Smith and Gail Ferranto, committee member of the Mushroom Farmers of Pennsylvania, getting ready for the 2023 Pennsylvania Farm Show. It kicks off January 6th for the food court and then everything opens Opens on January seventh. Coming up next: Irish step dancing for exercise, and the new president of the Wilkesboro Branch NAACP on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Do you have a New Year's resolution to volunteer? We'll meet the new president of the NAACP Wilkesboro Branch. He'll have your invitation to join them. And maybe it's the big one for New Year's. It's exercise. How about thinking of Irish step dancing? It's exercise, it's fun, and Shannon Joyce Cerulli, director of Joyce School of Irish Dance, says they're ready to welcome you.
6: There absolutely is. It goes back back hundreds of years. The rheumatic dance came from the Druids with how they would do their chants and how they would, you know, do their thing back in the day, and it's just formed throughout the years. To what we now know as Irish step dancing as what we see in river dance there's a lot of connections with other dance uh, styles out there that go along with Irish step dancing like Latin dance and African folk dance and things like that where you know you're using your feet to make that rhythm to make that the music for you not to say we don't use music we love music so we pair it up and that's what you get when you get Irish step dancing big history though What my favorite story is of Irish sub-dancing, back in the day when the British soldiers were walking around and Irish were not allowed to have fun, basically, they saw it as not something religious and not something appropriate. The Irish, that was part of their culture for a very long time before that. And what my dance teacher told us is that they would gather to have mass and to do their religion, and then after, they would have a little party And that's when they would dance. And the form that we see today with the hands by our sides and your feet are the only thing moving, apparently came from that because the soldiers would be walking by and they had the um, half doors. The part of the door would be open and the bottom half would be closed. And all they would see is just people looking like they're standing around. And, but really on the floor, their feet were moving and they were having a fun time, especially after the soldiers walked by. So there's just so many different stories that come from Irish dancing throughout Ireland. There's different types, within each county and you know the U.S. were a melting pot so they got to melt all of it together and we get to now present it to our area which is a lot of fun to show and educate. That (laughs) is so cool! That was one story we were told and I always just found that to be so eye opening because everyone's gone through, every religion, every culture, every race has gone through different struggles at some point and I felt like that is something that the Irish isn't afraid to say, you know what? We still want to have fun. We still want to, you know, we praise in a different way. You know, you, you have music, God may music, God may dance. Right. <laughs> as many Irish blessings go, correct? Um, they said, you know what, we're going to still do it. And also to the other, you know, more scientific side is that they would take half the doors, the uh, Dutch doors, as we know them, they would take the top half off and use that as the floor because the floors in their homes were dirt. So they would use the, you know, the hardwood from the door to make the sound, to make the music, even though they weren't allowed to play. And I just always thought that was a beautiful story to bring back to our dancers to say, you know, like this has come a long way and we're allowed to do this freely
4: and with happiness and joy. <laughs> so let's do it. And you mentioned <laughs> the fact that there are different areas that do mm-hmm. different. So can you give us some examples of those and how it's kind of all melded together?
6: In Irish dancing, there's different Style. so there's reels which are and jigs which everybody knows those are those fun fast paced dances that you know everyone's clapping and cheering and you know they want to see the dancers feet go faster and the movements and the people going across the stage and all that fun stuff um, and then there are slip jigs which are you know more methodical you think about what you're doing Um, it's very rheumatic and in the sense that you do it a lot with a hard shoe which are those shoes that Michael Flatley made (laughs) known to the world with the um, cap and then in Ireland they weren't always able to go to each other you know that there's they are counties all next to each other, but there are a lot of farmlands and very communities that are very together and close knit. And so they weren't going to travel to a different area (laughs) unless they had to, you know, they maybe they had family there or they were doing something. So each town from what I've read on the history of Irish step dancing is that each town kind of had their own way of doing maybe it was called the haymaker's jig and that's you know a a party dance it's one that everybody keeps you could keep doing it's kind of like the song that never ends kind of dance depending on how many dancers you have you go through every single person gets to be a lead in that dance um, whether you're a step dancer or just somebody trying it and each area has their own version that one traveler came to that town and taught them that way and they said oh I like that and we do our we do it this way and so it's like when everybody came to to America it was the melting pot because they're all learning like oh we do the same thing in theory (laughs) but we we move our feet this way versus how you do it that way and that's the really cool thing is that like in America, especially, is that we get to have that melting of all the different types into one dance. And that's when we as dance teachers get to be creative and pull this step from this performance. And we want to uh, choreograph it into this this dance that we're doing with six and seven year olds and wow. maybe that dance we were pulling from was way back when <laughs> nice. of a town hall meeting and before it became competitive and there are different types of dances and irish dancing but at the end of the day it's always about the rhythm the consistency and you know the heritage behind it of when you see a step dancer dancing they all learned the same basic steps at the same uh, at the beginning so I think is really
4: cool to unite us all and that's another thing because you mm-hmm. mentioned you know the feet going and and so many different <laughs> things so there's a lot of exercise involved and I know people are always saying I have to get exercise but nothing against them I really don't want to go to a gym maybe I'm intimidated <laughs> or something so you, are kind of offering up step dancing for exercise. How's that going to work? We are going to be offering an eight-week course for
6: adults And when I say adults, I mean 18 and out of high school, because if they're still in high school, they can still qualify for our student dancers. And in those eight weeks, we will be teaching the basics of Irish step dancing, those basic steps that if you were back in Ireland, back in the day, you would know these before you're even born (laughs) because your mom was probably doing them as well. And you would learn all those basic steps. And we would choreograph through those eight weeks a dance that is special to that dance class. And what I mean by that is that we may have a group of men and women who love the fast pace and they want to be going all over the stage and they want to do their sevens and their two threes and these fancy kicks and things like that. But maybe my other group likes to have it a little more slow pace and we could do a slip jig with our soft shoes on instead of hard shoes and we could take our time. But either way, the workout will be there because Irish step dancing whether they be <laughs> taken it or not you will your feet aren't the only thing getting the exercise your legs your abdomen you're regulating your breathing it's a whole body experience that people really don't recognize until you try it so i said you know what let's offer it in the new year See if anybody wants to take it on and learn something at the same time in a very positive and upbeat group of women and men.
4: (laughs) I I was going to say, I'm thinking of myself standing there being clutching to the wall saying, Shannon, I don't even know which is my left from my right sometimes. So it's this is this is pretty rudimentary. But again, you're still getting the exercise. And I think that's great. Yeah. And we did um,
6: a few just like drop course dropping courses last spring. And it was we geared it more like a Zumba class. And the women liked it that I came out to it. But they were like, you know what, I want to learn like how the the students the the kids are learning it. And I really took that to because i was like you know what i was thinking women and men want like that fast pace all the time high cardio where where you try kind to of get lost if that makes any sense in a bad way because you're you're trying to focus on your instructor you're trying to f- make sure you're not bumping into the person next to you and you're doing all this stuff and you're, you are you may not feel as confident and when they came back to me and said oh, we really want to learn at a pace that is over time i said all right let's do this let's regroup and let's see what we can do and still offer that aspect where women and men can get that exercise but at the same time learn the basics of irish step dancing and maybe if they travel over to ireland they can go out on that dance floor at that pub and show off what they've learned and, you know, be one
4: of the locals in that moment. And oh, I would love really, that. It's so much fun to do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I will say I and got to do it, and it was fun. So where can we find you? How do we get in touch with you? How, just, how do we do all that information?
6: So we have an Instagram that's under Joy School Irish Dance. We have a Facebook page that is just our name, Joy School of Irish Dance. And then we also have our website is JoyceIrishDance.com. And on all three of those, you have the ability to reach out and contact us. We also have an email address that is Dance at gmail.com. Quite long. We didn't know how to abbreviate it to not look silly, so we kept it as is. And either any of those four options, I am always in direct contact. I am the one answering those messages and making sure that People know that we're here and we see and we want to be there for our friends and family. If anybody ever looks on our Facebook page, most of our hosts start as high friends because I truly believe in the Irish culture. If you're not family, you're friends and we are We're basically family at that point. So (laughs) we have many options of being able to get in contact with us. Where are you physically? Physically. In wilkes we are located on Saturday morning. Um, Adult classes will be at 9, and our children's classes are at 10 at Gather Community Space. It's diagonal to the YMCA and down the street from the WBRE Studios. And then in Jessup, we are located at T&T Elite Sports Academy. And our classes there are from one to two for our beginner student um, children's classes, then two to three for our um, older students or more advanced, uh, younger kids. (laughs) And then our adult classes will be at 3 p.m. And all of our classes at both locations are held on Saturday.
4: You're in both counties, so there's a very good chance that you might see you in one of the parades coming up in March. Absolutely. We plan to be in the Stratton Parade as well as the Pitson Parade and wooks Parade. So we're very excited. I Mm forgot about the one in the middle. (laughs) Shannon, thank you. What a delight. This is so much fun. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you, Paula. I really, really appreciate it. Shannon Joyce Cerulli, director of Joyce School of Irish Dance with your invitation for exercise and fun. Now, if you'd like to volunteer, we're going to meet the new president of the NAACP Wilkes-Barre Branch, number 2306, Bill Brown. He has details of their upcoming program honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Bill has many great ideas to share as he enters his new position, and it's very exciting. What does this mean to you? Well, it means a lot
7: to me. I was the president of my college chapter back in 2010 when I went to Luzerne County Community College. And then I became a vice president of the local chapter of the NAACP. And it's pretty, pretty much come full circle because now I'm back to being president again. And um, it means a lot. I've, I've got a lot of hopes and aspirations for where this chapter can go. And I see us doing some really fantastic stuff. You know, we're going to be doing some collaborative work with some of the other not-for-profits and religious organizations in the community. And I look forward to that. We're starting with right out of the gate. um January 15th, we have Ophie Whitlam, who is a civil rights activist that works with Dr. Martin Luther King. And we have him speaking at King's College on the Martin Luther King during the weekend. Like that he's gonna be giving a lecture about his time serving as a um, civil rights activist with Martin Luther King and also starting the some of the youth chapters of the NAACP back in the sixties and um, the fifties and sixties. We're doing some collaborative work. We're working with the Peace and Justice Center. We're working with the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Wyoming Valley. And that's going to be our first um, effort right out of the gate.
4: And can the public attend that?
7: Of course, it's open to the public. It, it's on Sunday the fifteenth at three o'clock in the Shihi Farmer floor of the um, King's College, right there, you know, on campus. And it's and it's open to the public. And he's a fascinating gentleman like that. I mean, if you read his resume, it would be it would blow you away because he's done so much. In his lifetime, and he's going to come and he's going to speak all about it. And it's a great way to start 2023.
4: Is there a charge, or does anybody have to make a reservation? Nope. It's
7: like no, nope, it's free and open to the public. And so, it's just it's just some of what we're planning on on bringing you in 2023. We're going to be doing a lot of really great stuff, and this is just to kick it off.
4: And I know you mentioned the young people. And do you have anything planned in order to get them more involved? They want to have a voice, but sometimes they just don't know what direction.
7: I don't want to speak about anything that's not concrete, but I am very, very big. I I believe our future lays in um, the minds of young people. And I want to do a lot of programming that's going to involve the youth, both the people of color and people not of color here in the community um, as far as trips, maybe to the, um, you know, there's a new African-American museum I'm at the Smithsonian in Washington, DC. And I know we've taken trips down there before. I would like to see us take some trips down there and take some of the youth um, with us and get them inspired. You know, I wanna do a lot with um, both voter registration and anti-voter suppression in the community and that's something that we can work with because I mean, every year somebody turns 18, like that, that's what we want to do. We want to keep people engaged and um, exercising their rights to vote. So that is what we'll be doing.
4: We have to mention your predecessor. He's, he really did a great job and you're going to kind of lose him. Well, we're going to lose him a little bit, but we're not
7: going to lose his spirit. Jamel was Right, fresh out of college, so he was excellent at recruiting that college age um, person, and he did recruit some college age people, which we now have to work in his spirit, recruit to continue the recruiting of college age people and youth, and you know, people in their twenties and thirties, and so on and so forth. And so, like, we may be losing Jamel to you know um, the state and national um, conferences, but we are keeping the spirit alive and well right here um, in this area. And so that should be fantastic.
4: And I'm going to allow you to do this, make the invitation, because I know whenever I would talk to Jamel, he would say, come join us. So, Mr. President, I'll allow you to do that on behalf of the Wilkes-Barre chapter in AACP. Basically, we are
7: looking forward to people to come out and join the NAACP. It is one of the most affordable and rewarding things that you can do like that. We, and like I said, we're going to have a lot of programming, a lot of volunteer opportunities. I mean, we are volunteer driven. We work basically on the backs and the sweat of our volunteers. And we look forward to having people come out, join us, get involved like that. The only way you can make your community a better place is through your involvement. And um, that's what we're looking forward to.
4: And how can they get in touch with you to do that?
7: They can go to our um, website, which is wb-nwacp.org. And, um we have a, we have facebook pages we're on instagram we're on um twitter um if you look for us, you can find us out there and um basically come to our come to some of our events, speak to our um host and our staff, speak to some of our volunteers that are always available and we'll be more than happy to put you in touch with the right people so that you can work with our organization in the capacity that suits you best.
4: Thanks again to Bill Brown for joining us. And of course, you can visit the NAACP Wilkes-Barre Branch Facebook page, webpage, Instagram, Twitter account to find out more about their January 15th program honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now don't go away. We're going to talk homebuyer insights and homebuyer fix-ups next on Special
1: Edition.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
4: Welcome back to Special Edition. First, we'll start off with Ty Pennington, home renovation expert and Amy Goyer, AARP's family and caregiving expert. They have advice on keeping a home safer for your loved ones, especially if they want to stay in their home longer.
9: One of the things we know is that three quarters of all people age 50 and older want to stay in their homes as they age. So right there, that's the most important thing for us to know. And we we know that the important thing that you need to have in place in order to stay in your home is to be safe, right? And safe and comfortable. So we talk about starting small and doing things that, um, you know, assessing your loved one's needs and figuring out over time what needs to be changed.
4: And I'm sure that there are a lot of things, especially in some of the older homes. So you folks have teamed up with the one and only Ty Pennington, who is amazing when it comes to home renovation. Ty, hello. Hello.
3: (laughs) Yes. What what is great, too, is teaming up with Amy and and AARP is that, I mean, I'm literally living uh, Uh, exactly what this is all about because i built a home and my mom is living in it and so you know we've had to make some changes to make sure that really meets your needs and one of the first things is is putting a ramp in so that the because stairs become a very big obstacle as we all get older but it's also just the mobility of getting in and out of a bathroom You, you know we take that for granted i think just the width of a doorway sometimes uh and how important that is as we get older to be able to either get a can or a wheelchair in there but also the idea of being able to wheel into a shower so that your loved one can have the independence of bathing on their own without the you know the help nobody wants to be sort of let's just say overly uh taken care of to the point we all want that independence and uh and so, yeah, converting your bathrooms, making sure you have safety bars to hold on to, whether it's in the shower or literally like sitting down and standing up from the toilet, even having a raising the, the seat up a little bit so that that it's not such a, a struggle just to sit down on the toilet. And then it's it's simple things, whether it's better lighting so that they can see where they're going, uh, making sure rugs aren't slipping. And so you sort of have to weigh like the importance and, and what you have a budget for first, because even in my mom's case, we had to, to make sure that we put in a HEPA filter because she has respiratory issues. So you want to make sure that your loved ones have really, really clean air that, you know, at top grade quality so that you know that they're sleeping in the, the healthiest environment that they can be in. But, yeah, let's face it, there's so many things that come with aging that you have to worry about. I mean, even my mom's sleep apnea machine, like there's just so many things that that go into just living after 50 (laughs) that uh, there really should be a manual.
4: And Ty comes with experience, and Amy, I understand that you have also been taking care of folks who are in the same position.
9: Absolutely, yeah. For my entire adult life, or first for my grandparents, and then my mom had a stroke at a young age of sixty-three, and then my dad got Alzheimer's, and I cared for my dad, and he lived with me um, in Arizona in the home. It was their home, and then I moved in, and then they moved back in with me. And you know, I did think some of these things that Ty's talking about. You know, even our, we had one step to get into the house, but my dad got so we couldn't rely on him to mm-hmm. pick his foot up. So we got a threshold ramps that the VA provided for us. I did remodel the bathroom. And and I made a a curbless shower so that we actually eventually had a rolling wheelchair for him. But he could roll in there and he loved his shower, even when he needed help. You know, Ty was talking about, you know, getting through the doorways. One of the things we did that was low cost was we just got offset door hinges because my mom was using a walker and sometimes in a wheelchair and the doorways were just not wide enough. But with those Extra couple inches that you get with those offset door hinges, voila, like we didn't have to actually widen the door. Mm -hmm. So there are really a range of things you can do from low cost to no cost all the way to, you know, a more involved update.
4: How do you know which direction to go when you are talking safety. There's so many different things that go into this.
3: I think what, what has to happen is you really have to not only be in touch with experts that that understand the medical conditions of your loved one so they can give you tips on like what to look for because it's, it's not just the physical uh, obstacles. A lot of times there's also mental obstacles that they can't remember this or where they put that. And so the layout of where you put the medication on the counter... You have to make sure that there's a familiar routine that happens so that they have a special place to sit in the kitchen so that there's a routine that they're comfortable with, and so just the path that they take every day from you know sun up to sundown is also important. You got to remember too, we are luckily living in a time where remote controls that not only work your t v can also work some of the things in your home. And sometimes you have to retrain your loved one how to work these controllers. But it's so important to give them the independence to to be able to turn on and turn off the TV or raise and lower the temperature. And luckily at a time where they can actually control a lot of the environment themselves under a little bit of supervision, I would say.
9: Yeah, a little bit of help. You know, you're talking about the technologies. The digital door locks are a great thing. I know a lot of people who have loved ones who are still living in their homes, um, and they live alone, but they have caregivers who come in and out. You can program that door lock so that only that caregiver during those hour, the hour that you designate can get in that door. And yeah. you, as a caregiver, could be at work or long distance, and you can you can unlock that door for people if you need to. You can see the, the video doorbell, and you know those things can make a big difference for people's overall
4: safety when you're also talking about making changes to someone's home big discussion there i don't need that what do i need that for where do you go when it comes to things like that
3: yeah that's that's the problem with being the um the offspring trying to explain to the parent that we think this is going to really help you out and like sometimes you've got a real independent thinker who's like that's not going to help you you know so you really have to sort of uh approach it in a way that you make sure that somebody that they respect is sort of giving them the information, whether it's their doctor or a good friend of theirs that said, Hey, I know someone that they did this to. And it really worked out well, because sometimes the last time you want advice is from a family member. And so it's just true. And uh, so I think as long as they know that it's coming from love and it's coming from a place where they, they want to make sure that they're living their best life. And the truth of it is, is if you let them know, we want you to stay where you are because we know you're happy here, we just have to make uh, some adjustments, then they're going to be much happier than telling them, we're going to have to move you out of here because it's just not safe. I guarantee you, they're going to be all for you converting the place where they're living.
9: Right. And sometimes you just start with something small and then they feel like, okay, well, that worked out pretty well. Now let's try something else. Yeah. We have this issue with my aunt and uncle and because I do what I do for a living and there's three sons or their three sons they would have me talk to, to my aunt and uncle because they thought I knew what I was talking about huh and you know the truth is I was not their child I was mm-hmm. their niece it's just a different relationship yeah. and sometimes that helps um, sometimes the doctor talking to them about doing something they you can get a better response but with my aunt and uncle for example we a simple thing where they had stairs up from their garage into the house we convinced them to have put keep a walker in the garage that they walked out to the car too and that they kept things, they kept a walker in the car so that they weren't constantly unfolding taking these rolling walkers in and out of the car and moving them around so that they just having two sets of walkers yeah. made
4: a huge difference for them and made them less likely to fall amy i know you do a uh, facebook discussion group right we have an
9: ARP family caregivers discussion group on facebook and i moderate the group it's a fantastic really supportive uh, you can vent you can share your triumphs you can uh, complain you can problem solve we do a lot of problem solving for people and um, and I, I urge everybody to join us and we also have a lot more great information at aarp.org slash caregiving and Ty and I are going to be doing uh, a lot of things
4: hopefully together in the future and to share information. We'll
3: be us. aging well together. Yes,
4: we will. Ty, do you have <laughs> a, do you have a way that folks can check in with you and see exactly what you have going on?
3: Uh, I'm on Instagram uh, so I am at the Ty Pennington on, on Instagram and of course you can catch me on a TV doing several different TV shows for them.
4: Thanks again to Ty and Amy. Now the latest Homebuyer Insights report from Brian Sherman, Wealth Management Lending Executive with Bank of America.
7: Yeah, Paula, thanks
2: for having me. Uh, Bank of America just completed a Homebuyer's Insight report. Uh, told us that of the 85 million owner-occupied homes in the United States, 70% of them are owned by Gen Xers and Boomers, and 70% of them plan to stay in that home uh, and retire there, which is different from the past. Why? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. First and foremost, 95% of all current mortgages in the United States benefit from an interest rate that's below five percent. Uh, they like their current home. A lot of them have put a lot of work into their home, uh, and uh, you know, interestingly enough, 60% of Gen Xers and Boomers have done some sort of renovation or remodeling. Maybe it was the pandemic that did that. We don't have that stat, but uh, that's a, that's a high percentage. So they've made these homes what they want them to be for the lifestyle that they have or the lifestyle they will have post-retirement.
4: So what is that going to mean then for the general housing market?
2: Well, there certainly is uh, a supply issue. Um, uh, Realtor.com told us that historically, we've had about 1.5 million homes listed uh, in the United States. Uh, In September of this year, that number was a 50% decline, about uh, 725,000 listings. Uh, The good news though, is we are starting to see a little bit of a turn. Uh, Mortgage bankers told us that in the month of October, they saw a 38% lift in the number of homeless for sale, so it does feel like supply is coming back uh, just a little bit.
4: Brian, do you think that it's more that they're delaying? Looking or or putting the home on the market rather than just outright saying we're just never going to do this.
2: Based on the results of the survey, it really sounds like you know the home has uh, been a place where they've built memories, they've raised families there, uh, they've done remodeling and renovations to make it the home that they want, uh, and they're benefiting from a really low interest rate on that on that mortgage. Or some of them, by the time they retire, will have paid it off. It it sounds like they're going to stay put.
4: So then, when we look at that. And we, you know, talk about the fact that there it could create a little bit of a shortage at some point. Is that also maybe a good thing? Because people who are coming around and maybe thinking about buying their first home might get a better home if they wait a little bit longer and see exactly what happens with the Gen X and the Boomers? Well, you know,
2: I would say that regardless of what's happening in the market, um, we typically tell people that there is no right time or wrong time to buy, right? Purchasing a home, the right time is when it's emotionally and financially right for you as an individual. Um, There's obviously lots of things that come into purchasing a home, so rather than just waiting and watching, Uh, we encourage people to get educated, right? Work with local nonprofits in your community who have homebuyer education courses, financial institutions that can provide you information like we've got an online education series. Make sure that you're prepared personally um, and that it's the right time for you. So I I don't think anyone should sit around and and wait on the sidelines. I think they should engage and educate themselves and see if homeownership's right for them now.
4: And then what about first-time homebuyers? If they're hearing this and they're thinking, well, I don't know what I'm up, going to be up against, what uh, kind of suggestions do you have for them?
2: Absolutely. So first and foremost, I think that they need to, you know, connect themselves with uh, a, a reputable lender and real estate agent professional who can help guide them through the market. Uh, every single uh, individual has a unique situation. So it's really important for them to talk about themselves uh, rather than just generals. Uh, so get, get with a lender, get with a realtor, find out what's happening in your local market, see how much home you can qualify for and what programs are available to help assist you.
4: And along the same lines then for the folks who are not going to be selling from what your survey has been telling you, What kind of benefits are they going to derive? Since the
2: pandemic, uh, homeowners in the United States have seen $5 trillion in increased equity in their home. I think that the Gen X and Boomers in our survey actually told us that they actively plan to help the next generation take steps towards homeownership uh, in in the form of either cash or potentially gifting them a home at some point. And interestingly enough, 12% of them told us that they're going to offer their family members to live together and create create multi, multi-generational spaces.
4: It almost sounds like this survey that you have done is not only showing us home ownership, but just how maybe families are going to be changing in the future as well.
2: Absolutely.
4: Brian, anything else that you'd like to uh, get across to our listeners? Because I know in our area, we have so many people that are right in that Age group.
2: Yeah. uh, Again, uh, I think that uh, it's a it's a new it's a new dynamic. Uh, Like you said, it it is telling us about families and how things are transitioning. Uh, I would just say to the general population that's out there, you know, we are seeing a turn in overall inventories. Uh, Purchasing a home, there is no right time. Get get out there, meet with your real estate professionals, meet with your lenders, uh, and prepare yourself for home ownership. For those of you that are in uh, those homes, know that you have probably acquired a lot of equity over time uh, and there's opportunities for you to improve further or make changes to that home you plan to stay in through life you know to to fit your new lifestyle.
4: And from both sides whether you're thinking about it not thinking about it whatever are there places that we can go and uh, find out some more information as far as all of these different paths?
2: Yes absolutely you can visit the mortgage section of bankofamerica.com for all this information.
3: Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.